All right, college baseball fans, welcome to a little midweek recap bundled with a little weekend preview episode here on a little Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Uh, we're going to talk about the weekend coming up and some of the big, 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 big series that we have, including like Vanderbilt, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, TCU, or, or Oklahoma State, and others. Um, we're also going to talk about the Golden Spikes watch list that just came out with 45 of the top players here in the country go over that real quick and talk about some sleeper picks and some favorites and all that fun stuff. But before we get into all of that, we are going to recap the midweek and some of the exciting action that happened here, uh, including what we just saw went down a few hours ago, Arkansas Pine Bluff getting absolutely embarrassed against number one team in the country, Arkansas. Now this is one of the most lopsided games we've seen all year, not by the score, We've seen scores this bad before. But as far as the rankings go, we have Arkansas's number one team in the nation along with pretty much every other college baseball media outlet. And we have actually the Arkansas Pine Bluff Lions, Golden Lions, sorry, ranked as the third worst team in college baseball. So, Dimitri, what we saw today was just a good old Southern ass-kicking. Awful ass kicking. The thing is, the thing is, like, I get, dude, Arkansas has been playing such a tough schedule that, like, they need a break. They need just to go out there and just manhandle somebody. Just go out there and just beat the brakes off somebody, which is what you need sometimes. You need a break. But, Mike, but, dude, not that team. Anybody but that team. Dude, this the reminds- other team, the other team that's in Mississippi. Yeah, this this reminds me of a funny story that I think I told on this podcast when James was on it a couple of years ago because we both went to the same junior college. But at my junior college, we play, we played a team in our conference, I guess you'd call it, who was probably one of the worst teams in junior college baseball. And they were called the Laredo something or another's. Well, we showed down in Laredo, which is on the Mexican border. It's about eight hours away from my junior college. And Usually before the games, we would take batting practice and those kind of things, BP, uh, in and out, stuff like that. Well, we show up there after like an eight-hour bus ride, and our head coach was mad at us because we were sucking like the few weeks, and like we needed to sweep this weekend. And the other team's coach like had BP set, set up for us. <laughs> and we, we usually beat this team by 10-plus runs. And so after they got done taking batting practice, the coach was like, hey, we got BP set up for you guys if you guys want to take it. And our head coach was a savage. And he said something along the lines of, now nah, you guys can go ahead and put up BP. We'll just take batting practice when the game starts. And it was one of the most savage things I've ever heard because he said it no, not, like so nonchalantly. And that's exactly what this game reminded me of. Arkansas was just like, no, no, no. We won't, we won't take batting practice today before the game. We'll just take it during the game. And what they hit, like eight home runs combined today. Four guys had two home runs. Four guys had two. So I think they had eight total. Yeah, they did. And uh, you posted the tweet with uh, gone forever, Aaron Hernandez. (laughs) That was one of the most low-key, hilarious things we've ever done. So props to you on that. But you're right, man. Like, I I saw some of the Twitter replies that we got. People were saying. I was joking, by the way. But at the same time, it's like, dude, anybody but them. And I was like, yeah, they are. That's just unfortunate. They're in the same state. But. Yeah, and and so everybody was pointing out Arkansas' strength. The schedule is number two overall. And no, I will always support. I will always support, like you know, taking a break, 
Yeah, and they played they played him on Tuesday as well and, and <laughs> killed him. But yeah, this was funny. And the most important thing that showed me on Twitter was we had a ton of people defending us, Dimitri. Did you see that? Like, dude, it was. I almost. It, it was like. It was like. It was Arkansas fans defending us against other Arkansas fans. And I was like, like, okay, let's go. Because <laughs> so, I was like, dude, we love Arkansas. I love Arkansas. Oh, we love them on this podcast and we talk good but, things but about them. It was, it was like, you know how like some dude came in the replies all caps, like, who do I need to handle? And I was like, dude, you're not Vin Dog. Like, you're not Portnoy's hitman. Like, <laughs> ch- like, relax. Yeah. And so I want to give a shout out to some of those guys that were, uh, kind of having our back. I know one of them was Aaron Weatherford, who was like, yo, he's like, chill. Obviously, you don't listen to their podcast. Like, they yeah. love Arkansas. He I was, was like, one dude. of them. And then um, Dakota Law- or Lufston, he was another guy that jumped yo, in. Shout there. out to Dakota, dude. Yeah, those He's a day one. He is one of the day one guys. And um, it was cool seeing those guys defend us against their own. It was kind of like a, yo, 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 relax. Like, he's one of us. They're one of us. Like, they hype us up all the time. So that was cool. But Anyways, um, props to that matchup, I guess. I mean, we saw one of the very best versus one of the very worst, and we're going to support that. But moving on to, like, more important things, man. Liberty on Tuesday night just continues to roll in the Amer- in the Atlantic Coast Conference. I think that was their seventh or eighth. Fifth, they're five or and one. Five and one in the, against ACC opponents in the midweek. And, you know, put them yeah. in the conference. Listen. If I'm the ACC, I'm like, yo, Liberty, come on. You had a good football Liberty, last so year. The, hey, the guy that started for Liberty, um, that was his first start. Mustache. Um, Dylan Mustache Cumming. Guy. Mustache guy? Mustache guy, yep. <laughs> um, that's, that was his first start. And he went six innings, one hit. He gave up two in the seven, um, then got pulled. But, dude, he went six innings, one hit, first start ever at Liberty. First start ever. Has, has he been like a He's relief a reliever. Guy? Okay. He's a reliever. And they started him, and he went six innings, one hit against Virginia is, Tech. Who can hit? Is he a senior by chance? Like some guy that was like, hey, coach, like let me have the ball this game. No, 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 no. He's like he's probably a sophomore, junior. Um, okay. Yeah, he's not a senior, but like, dude, what a show! What a showing. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Like you get the ball. I, did you ever have any like spot starts? Because you were a reliever at Mercer, like. All I mean, American reliever and all that. Did you ever get any spot starts where you're like, I was the, I would, I was the starter freshman year. Oh, well, I didn't like know. my, my, like opening weekend, we had a four game series. So I was the fourth starter for that weekend. And I started midweeks and then I was the closer on the weekend or like me <laughs> and me and another guy were like back and forth. No wonder why me. you had Tommy John. <laughs> well, that was, that was just my freshman year. Yeah. I mean, and then sophomore year. Sophomore year, I would relieve Friday night and Sunday. Like now, I would go three innings Friday and then like three on Sunday. Are you still the Mercer all-time leading saves leader? I never – no, dude. I I missed four weeks my sophomore year, and then I missed, I want to say, 20 or 30 games my junior year or my senior year. No, I was hurt my – I from the snowball fight I, I told you about. <laughs> I, I got hurt, so I missed like a month – my junior year he missed then, the saves record because he got in a snowball fight no and, and then his, i heard his I, arm. I tore my ucl and then i my senior year but i missed probably about 50 games total in my four-year career and i missed the saves record by two hmm. I, I i had it in the bag it was the one thing i wanted to like yeah. like the, when i our last game 
when we lost to Auburn, like our last ever game, that was the like one thing I sat there and just thought like, like fuck, man, I, that's all I wanted was the save record, and it it like really hurt me, like it it bothered me that. So I didn't you went get into it. the regionals knowing like, hey, I need two saves for the record. Let's win two games. <laughs> yeah, but I came in a tie game against Florida State. He blew it. <laughs> no, it was tied, no, so I couldn't oh, get the yeah. save. Oh, well, I mean, true. I mean, I lost, but I couldn't get the save. So that was, I was just like, dude, I'm not getting it. Yeah, but whatever. I mean, regardless, dude, I think I hold, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm gaslighting myself or whatever, flex and whatever, but I do hold the single season ERA record, which is dope. There you go. Something so I, I, I was like, okay, that's cool. But I really, I, I worked hard to get that saved record and I didn't get it. So I was bummed. I was pissed about that. But saves are overrated, man. That's all. Speaking of closer, Liberty's lefty. Last night, there was probably about like six or seven scouts at the game last night. I'm talking to somebody I know who went to Liberty. He, he's there a lot. It's, they were all up in the concourse, like up at the top, waiting to leave. And he came in the game, and all seven scouts ran down, got their cameras out and guns out. This lefty, Ben, he's electric. What's his – do you know his Liberty. name? Yeah, I'll tell you. Um, It is – um, I know who you're talking about. I mean, I watched the end of that game because I was pumped for Liberty. I'm a dude, big Flames fan, dude. dude like, I oh think my, they're good for college. I don't baseball. know how. I don't know how I don't know his name off the top of my head. Um, oh my god! I mean, you know me. I'm the worst when it comes to names, especially if I don't hear the name like a ten times. That's pretty much what it takes. But I mean, I watched the end of the game. That lefty was good. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be like a top five round draft pick. You think? Like, uh. I don't know Dude, if his stuff 90, is that He's 93-94. That's what, on yeah. On the left side, very sale-looking, three-quarter slot. Like, dude, he's nasty. And I'm about to tell you his name right now because we need to know it. Um, yeah, we're waiting. Frazier, Frazier Ellard. Frazier Ellard. Okay. What are his stats? This um, year? You got him? His stats are t- 23 innings, 1.9 ERA, Three save, thirty-five K, twelve hits. Is that good? Could could be could be better. You, eh, it's all right. But <laughs> okay. By the way, by the way, I don't know if I made that clear. That was a joke. It's uh, really yeah. good. No, yeah. Hopefully, we don't get any hate on Twitter. About, <laughs> like, I mean, that's really freaking good. We're being a little sarcastic I'm here. I'm coughing now because I was like trying to hold my breath from like <laughs> trying to keep serious. But um, no, dude, he's like he's nasty, and then. Dylan coming, Dylan coming, dude. He had like a twenty ERA going into last night. No start, just just a terrible year out of the bullpen, right? Wait, you said so, a twenty ERA? I mean, a uh, twelve. Oh, because he had the eight. He had the eight ERA now, and he threw seven <laughs> inning, two runs. So that dropped a lot. He has an eight now. <laughs> he had wow. the eight ERA after last night, and so. Whatever they're doing up there, they're rolling. Like everybody is just, they're playing really let, well. Let me ask you this: Are they peaking too early? Well, because that's a real thing they, in college well, baseball. Well, well, you can't really say they're peaking because they've won like fifteen straight. But they also were winning against teams before. I mean, like the ACC, their six games against the ACC have been over the past like month. No, I so know, I, I know. I'm I guess saying you like, can say they're peaking over the past month. But I think a month is more like, okay, they're a good team rather than just they're hot. Yeah, but I'm saying, you know? like, 
are they going to keep this up? Like, are they going to be oh, a real? Who flag? knows? Who knows? But I think I think when you see a team balling out for like two weeks or had a big weekend, that's like you're they're hot. But when a team's playing good for a month or two, you just got to say, okay, maybe they're just really good. And yeah, no, I think they are really good. But I, th- I think they're good. They're they're if, if, I, they're if on, I'm Liberty, I'm hoping like we kind of cool off for a little bit because I mean it's almost impossible to keep you know. Uh, keep playing that well for that long of a period of time. Like the game will like humble itself. Like it'll come back to equal at some point. So you want to be hot, cold, hot, cold. You want to get hot at the end of the year. Dude, Liberty, if, if other top 25 teams lose like on the back end and Liberty takes care of business this weekend, I mean, they're playing North Alabama. So if they blow them out, they're, Uh, I think they don't sweep this weekend. That's what I'm saying. They're a top 25 team. Well, in my opinion, so so let's, let's since we're already talking about the D1 baseball, this is our first podcast since we saw all the ranking. D1 baseball had Old Dominion and Charlotte in the top 25. And in my opinion, they're not top 25 teams yet. They're really good, but they're not top 25 teams yet. Charlotte, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, they were losing a lot of bad games. Like like that remember the whole the whole earn your spot in the top 25. Don't just get hot for a little bit. Yeah. I think there's a premature ranking for them. And Old Dominion really haven't played anybody. I mean, they beat, they beat, um, who do they beat? They played, oh my God. Who are we talking about here? Charlotte or Old Dominion? Old Dominion. Well, both of them. But I'm saying Old Dominion hasn't really played anybody. They played, um, I mean, they're 10 and 2 in Conference USA, which like, is hard. It's hard to do, but. I know what you're saying. Like they have had some pretty bad losses. They swept Ball State, which is a big weekend. Like Ball State, a good team. They did smack FAU. Um, smacked Marshall. Smacked and, and they beat East Carolina. So they have wins, but they don't have like they don't have. I don't know. There's just some of those wins are like they're good. And when you're looking at really deep, when you're trying to find a good win, you can find one. But when you just look at it from like the eyeball test, they don't have a big signature win yet. I mean, East Carolina is a pretty big signature win. It is a signature win, but we've we've seen East Carolina in the midweek. Well, they're I'll put like, it to you this way. I'll put it to you this way. Old Dominion deserves it more than Charlotte, and you know we're big Charlotte yeah, fans yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. But because Charlotte got swept by East Carolina, and they lost to Wake Forest, like, and they lost two out of three to Western Carolina. I mean, they did beat Tennessee. We'll give them that. And they did sweep FAU and FIU. Like they're they just lost hot. the road. They lost a split, or they lost to Rhode Island. They lost. They gave up seventeen runs to Western Kentucky. They lost. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. They're hot, but they're not a top twenty-five team yet, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I would I, agree with that. That's just my take. That's just my take. I think Liberty is more deserving of a top twenty-five over Charlotte. I mean, Liberty's five ACC wins. Like you, you can't compare that with anything that Charlotte or old dominions done and look like we obviously didn't have liberty ranked either so like we have no room to talk but i know no, no i wasn't ready to put them in yet but like this after them beating virginia tech that's their biggest acc win based on what we've seen because north carolina is a big win but we're seeing that north carolina is like middle of the pack right now virginia tech is first in the acc in, in their division right so now you're seeing them beat a top tier acc team you're like okay now you have some weight. You you have some um, legitimacy. Legitimacy, you know. Yeah, and oh, I think fair. Liberty. I think Liberty is the top twenty-five team. 
So we'll see, we'll see how everybody else does on the back end of the top 25. Um, but I think they're a top, I'm not putting Charlotte in yet. I, I, I just don't think they're, I it just doesn't sound right. Like just saying Charlotte top 25 is something that nobody on this earth has ever heard before. So it, yeah, just, but, but don't, it doesn't but, sound but, right. <laughs> but don't even go with that angle. I would say, why not just wait until they play each other eight times and put the best team of the game, put them in the top 25. Well, you know what's going to happen. They're going to split four and four. No, and no. <laughs> I, I, I can see that happening because, you know, if they're that evenly balanced, it'll happen. But like, wait a little bit because some team is taking four losses. Like, you don't want to, I get it, hyping them up two top 25 teams. Like, but one of those two teams is guaranteed at least four losses. Like, I see what you're saying. saying. That's what I'm saying. So, like, wait a little bit. Like, put, your, put the best team in there because that'll give you a really good measurement. Eight games in a row will give you a good measurement of how good they are or how bad they are or real or not real kind of thing. I think that's, I think it was too early to put them in the top 25. <laughs> well, I don't want to speak for like Kendall Rogers and D1 baseball, but I wonder if they were just like, you know what? All these big power five conference teams are pissing us off. Like they're not winning series when they're supposed to. They're messing around in the midweeks. Let's just give it to the guys in Conference USA. Cause I mean, Conference USA as a whole, like is a pretty good conference, but you, you do have those four teams in Louisiana Tech, Southern Miss, Charlotte, and uh, Old Dominion who all look like regional locks right now. And they're probably just like, put them all in. Forget the ACC and, and all of that and Big 12 Pac, or Pac-12, Big 10, like whatever. Let's put some new teams in there, get some new faces, and we'll deal with it when we deal with it. Maybe that's what they were doing. Um, but dude, you want to know something that's been getting me like kind of riled up now that I'm already like fired up here? What's Go up ahead, with, let it what's all up out. With, what's up with all the overhype on Arizona, man? <laughs> I've been seeing some of these like regional projections and I've seen them like baseball America had them ranked as the number two overall seed and they're like hosting a regional and I've seen like them at eight and like 12. I get it that like the West coast needs to have a, you know, a regional hosted out there and Arizona is probably the best fit, but they're like seven and five in the pack 12. You know, they've, they split a series with ball state. Their RPI get, is five. Yeah, I so, know. But like, they that, also that lost mean, a two out of three series to UCLA. Like, like you're, you're, they're not a t- number two national seed. Like no, get out of here even, with that. They're not a national seed at all. If anything, maybe st- sneak them in at like 16, if you're going to make them host. But like, I was so cool seeing Grand Canyon walk them off on Tuesday. And that was a game that you kind of predicted as an upset. Um, Grand Canyon, great mid-major program. We have them in the rankings before. And, you know, they hosted, they were I mean, playing at that field. And it's a really nice field. I think it's called like Brazil field or something like that in Phoenix. The, uh, but Grand Canyon ended up winning that game and walking them off. And it just proved that Arizona might be the most overhyped team. It's like these college baseball outlet sites are just like begging for them to be great so that there can be a West coast, you know, hosting site in a super regional. And I think that's a bit of a stretch. Dude, you already, you already have Oregon. You, dude, Oregon, I think, is the best team in the Pac-12. I think you have right Oregon. Now they are. And I think Stanford's really dang good. And I think UCLA has potential to be hey, one of the best. Let me ask you, in the thing with Oregon and national seed? In what things? In the D1 projection, whatever thing you were talking about, whatever it was. Baseball America? Yeah, they were the number two overall. No, Oregon. Oh, Oregon. Um, shoot. Are they, a, are they a number eight? Are they a top eight team? No, they weren't a top eight. I think they were yeah, like 12. See, like, w- like, what are you talking about? Oregon is six and three in the Pac-12. They have a better record. They have a higher RPI. And they have more 
they have a better record against quality opponent against quality opponents. Like, what are you what are you talking about? Yeah. So look, I'll, I'll read you. This is the uh, Baseball and America. It, and, and I mean, dude. Okay, I get it. The projection. So you're projecting what they're gonna do on top of what they've already done, but it still doesn't make sense. Listen, here's the top 16 hosting uh, for Baseball America. I haven't pulled up any other ones right now, but I did see them earlier. So top 60 or top 16 teams. Or sorry, Arkansas at number one, Arizona at number two, Vanderbilt number three. Listen, there's no world where Arizona is going to jump Vanderbilt. Like, it's just not going to happen. And then you have Texas at number four, Louisville at number five, or sorry, Mississippi State at number six, East Carolina at number seven. Notre Dame jumps into number eight. Now listen to some of these teams Notre Dame's ahead of. Tennessee at nine, Oregon at 10, Texas Tech 11, Ole Miss 12, South Carolina 13, TCU 14, Louisiana Tech 15. And then at number 16, you had to squeeze one more ACC team in there. You got Virginia Tech. It's like, I get it. You're trying to limit the amount of SEC teams in the uh, hosting, but like, let's relax a little bit. Like six of those 16 teams are not going to host. And at least not be in the position that they're in. Like wait, you're telling, wait, you think you think six of, six of those teams are they're going to be wrong on? Um, maybe not six. Maybe I'm just getting a little fired up right here. No, I mean, I I I don't care about what they have twelve through sixteen. That's fine. But Arizona is not a number two national seed, and I don't care if you're trying to pair up your regional and your super regional. That's for the committee to decide. But if you're going to project based on what the committee is doing, going to do, then sure, you can have Arizona too. But it's still not, it's still not going to happen. Yeah, listen to this Arizona regional. This makes me want to throw up. Arizona is the two overall seed. Georgia as the two seed in that regional. San Diego State as the three seed, and Army as the four seed. That that makes me want to throw up. That's not a good regional. No, <laughs> and mean, don't and don't get me wrong. Georgia showed obviously that they can play with the best, but no, no. Listen not, to this. Listen to this six. I know we're we're not going to spend too much time on this, but listen to the sixteen overall seed. So Virginia Tech is hosting. They have to host Florida as the two seed, UCLA as the three seed, and then your four seed is UConn. Like UConn could easily go out wait, and beat Virginia. They Tech. They think they think UConn could get the automatic bid. Yeah, from the Big East. But still, like, imagine UConn being your four seed who, like, we've seen play in some big tournaments and, like, have really good players. And then you have Florida and UCLA, the top two overall preseason teams as the two and three seed in your regional. If I'm Virginia Tech, I'm just like, come on now, guys. We're hosting a regional for the first time in however many years. You're going to put those two teams in it? Like, ew. Yeah, that's, that's rough. That's a hard regional. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely is. It's not something anybody ever but anyways, wants to see. Yeah, I don't want to get too deep into it. Last thing I want to br- uh, bring up about the midweek, Florida got their revenge over Florida State. It was a really good, really, really good, good game. game. 2-2 through, I mean, Florida had the lead 2-0. Florida State tied it up. And then um, Florida went, they we kind of saw what Sully was doing. He moved Jack Leftwich into the bullpen out of the Saturday roll and he threw four no hit innings out of the bullpen. Yeah, that was a big out. piece. That was that was the biggest piece of the game. I'm glad you touched on that. Like him being able to throw multiple innings in relief when Florida State really didn't have that option. Um it that's what showed that was the difference there. Now um I mean dude 
here's the deal. Every pitcher can pitch, okay? Some just have it in the bullpen. Some are just better at starting. Whether you have more three or four pitches, you have a bigger arsenal of pitches, whether it's just the way you compete, you're more monotone, you're, you keep your composure better, whether you give up two in the first and you're still able to go, you know, four or five more inning. The bullpen is, you, you're just more electric, you're more energized, you feed off energy better. So that's why, like, where personality comes into play better. Like, maybe Jack Leftwich feeds off energy. He likes the pressure. He likes the late game. He wants the game in his hand. Maybe the bullpen is what's going to work better for him in his career. The rest of his time in Florida, when he goes to pro ball, whatever, maybe he's just better guy out of the bullpen. We don't know yet, but maybe Sully hit the right button. Yeah, you see a lot of guys in Major League Baseball who – um, do exactly what you just said. Like they come in as starters, they throw hard, they, they're never really into the game. And then they turn out to be some of the best relief pitchers in the game. Like they, they're able to flip a switch and they like the play pressure. They like to feed off the game energy in close games. Um, and dude, I mean, that's why Soli is like one of the best coaches of all time. Like he finds a way to figure things out. And dude, I'm telling you, Florida is going to be one of those teams that gets into the tournament probably as a two seed and like they're gonna just wax people all the way to the college world series. Man, I need we need it. I need to bring this up. Think about this. So you know how we were hating on Florida, you know, like they're so talented. We're gonna stop saying that all that stuff. Yeah. Think about it. So Florida's not playing their best, right? Yeah. They're still six and six in the SEC. I mean, and they've played their worst baseball. And they're still and they're still. 21 and 11. They're not playing great baseball. They're six and six in the arguably the hardest division in college baseball this year, which is Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Georgia, South Carolina. The SEC is pretty good this year. Yeah. It's the and they're best at division. six and six. They're six and six and they're not playing very good. And we're hating on them. And we're we have them no, like six I mean, We can hate on them all the one. That's fine. Yeah. But imagine if Florida figures it out. Imagine if Florida and they are heats up a little bit. And they are. They are gonna figure it out. So like we got to be careful here because maybe they're going to start beating the shit out of some team and everyone's going to be like, oh, Florida shouldn't have been in the regional and all of a sudden they go win a regional or, they, you know, they fall out. But they're playing not their best baseball and they're 6-6 six and six in the hardest division in college baseball right now. Yeah. And they I don't – and, dude, think about it like this. Like, they don't know which pitchers are going to be their starters, which ones are going to be their, reliev- their relievers. Their best player coming in the season, Judd Fabian, has the quietest 11 home runs on the season. Like, we haven't heard a single thing about him, even though he came into the season with all this hype. He has 11 home runs. And I it's know. like, dude, he hasn't even gotten hot yet. Like, that's a team – like if Vegas had some lines out, like that would be the team I would jump all over for to win the College World Series at some good, you know, favorable odds, probably twenty to one. Those odds would be juicy. Yeah, and like I'm telling you, dude, it's gonna make me sick to my stomach seeing Florida get hot at the end of the year, and they're gonna be a two seed, and they're not even gonna look back. They're gonna just destroy teams all the way through, like regional, super regional, and then probably like the first couple rounds of the College World Series. So, so yeah, we'll see what. I think that's something to point out that Florida's not playing well. And they're still like, look at LSU, look at Georgia. Some of these teams who are supposed to be good are not playing well and their record shows it. Yeah. Florida is still six and six like, above water. Yeah. So anyway, and Georgia's that, for- another team, man. Like we, we've been hating on Georgia all year and they come in and beat Vandy two out of three. That's another team to keep an eye on. Like they had a bunch of young guys coming in this season that are starting to find their roles. 
I mean, Georgia's going to probably make a regional and like nobody's going to want to play them. They're going to get matched up with some ACC team or Big 12 team in the, in the we'll regional. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah. that's Anyways. all I got for the midweek. Yeah, me too. That's all I got for the midweek. Um, now, moving on, let's talk a little bit about this Golden Spikes just briefly. Yeah. They yep. come out with our mid, their midseason watch list, which is going to be 45 guys that they narrowed it down to. And for some godforsaken reason, our boy who's leading the ACC in home runs and RBIs and plays the most physically demanding position on the field catcher, Matt Nelson, who we interviewed on the podcast a couple weeks, or I guess it was last week, they cut him from the list. And that's embarrassing. That's so stupid, so, so stupid. He's probably the best player in the ACC and someone that plays a position as important as catcher. I figured he'd be on the top 45 players list, but it is just a watch list there. Um, some of the names that jump out, I mean, there's a bunch of mid-major guys, man. There's like uh, Luke Albright from Kent State and Spencer Aldred or Algretti from uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Those are two names there at the top of the list. Arigetti. Arigetti. Yeah, sorry, I can't pronounce these names. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's your your Big 12 guys and the SEC guys that have been on the list since day one. But there's a couple high school guys that it's good to see those names on there, uh, like Jordan Lawler, who's probably going to go top five picks this year. One of my sleepy or sleep, sleepy picks. One of my sleeper picks here, and I know it's not a sleeper pick anymore because he's been red hot at the plate. But Jace Young from Texas Tech. I mean, he has 15 home runs this year, tied for the nation's lead with uh, Wes Clark. That's a name Jace, that Jace Young. Yeah, Jace Young. That's a guy that that could definitely win it if as long as he keeps right. producing. Here, l- listen to this. Adrian Del Castillo hit his fourth homer of the season tonight. And he's on this list over our boy Matt Nelson, who has. And he's on this list because of the preseason hype. Yeah. So, like, it just goes to show you. And, and, listen, and listen to this. There's another ACC catcher, Kevin Parada, who's a freshman, really good player, but he is not even producing anywhere close to what Matt Nelson's producing. And they play in no. the same conference. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like, that, that, that's, a, that's a snub. I think they might have just forgot Matt Nelson. I'm really starting to think they just straight up forgot him. <laughs> like, hand up, yo, we forgot him. Let's add him to the list. <laughs> but no, but literally, Adrian Del Castillo is hitting 312 with th- four home runs after tonight. Matt Nelson, I'm going to pull up his stats. Dude, just read me his stats because it's just, I mean, it's, it's amazing to listen to. So what did I say? 312 with four home runs? Yeah. All right. Matt Nelson is hitting 320. So he's got a higher average. 13 home run. So triple what Adrian Del Castillo <laughs> has. And he's got double, almost double RBIs. Yeah, I mean, dude, this is the most ridiculous. And he plays better defensive catcher, too, in my opinion. Like Del Castillo plays first. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, who's the no. catcher? No, he has a catcher. Alex Toral plays first. Yeah, wait, what? All right, you got me all mixed up. Yeah. No, no, Del Castillo is that catcher. I don't know why I said that. That's your team, man. That's your boys. But, but yeah. I mean, dude, listen, if there's one thing that you'll get from this podcast is we're ride or die for our boys, the guys that come on the podcast. So that might be an incentive for uh, for some other big-name players to come on. But, dude, I'm going to I'm gonna like literally cause a riot if Matt Nelson's not on this list the next time it comes out. Wait, wait, if, if, wait, if you're, if you're on the, if you're not on the watch list, can you be on the next one? I would sure hope so. 
I don't think so. I think you have to be on the watch list. But what happens if Matt Nelson just hits another like six home runs like in the next week? Are they just going to ignore him? <laughs> like That's are they saying like like I think you can add names to the list. You definitely can. Why would you so, not so, be so, able to? So if we can, if they can add people that are not on the watch list, we can add people to our volunteer. For sure. Yeah. Okay. I thought I thought watch list. You had to be on the watch list to be eligible for the next round. Listen, if you can't add people to this watch list, uh, I think I might burn down the Golden Spikes Award. Like that's the most arrogant thing I've ever heard. If you cannot add people to the list, like oh nope nope not on the list. Like you think about it, like going to a club downtown. It's like uh uh-uh, you're not on the list. Well hey uh, I'm super famous. Like okay come on in. Like you're on the list now. Like that's the way I'm looking at this. So. I don't know. I mean, some other, like, there's some surprising names on here. Like, there's a guy from Maine, Nick Sinicola, who I, I, I'm sure he's really good and having a really good year. But, like, you're telling me a pitcher from Maine deserves to be on this list over uh, guys like Matt Nelson or even, dude, listen to this. There's not a single name here um, from the number one team in the nation, Arkansas. Like, you can't find me one name from the number one team in the nation to put on this list. Like, come on, I'm, get out of here. I mean, I mean, that's crazy, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's wild. And meanwhile, like you got guys from like Fordham and no offense, but Maine, Wayland Baptist. Um and Ben, you wanna know what the crazy thing is most of these guys are just guys that they had on their radar as draft prospects. They're all just draft prospects. That's what it comes down to. That's what Golden Spikes watch list is. It's a bunch of draft prospects and then guys that you know are actually playing well. Like right. for example, Landon Sims is on here. He's he's only a freshman, so he's not a draft prospect. He is a prospect, but not a draft prospect yet. No, I think he's draft eligible this year. I feel is like he, I saw something where he was draft eligible this year. I thought I thought next year, maybe maybe he's twenty one. Maybe he's age because he's only he's technically a sophomore. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was another guy I was thinking of, but but hey, um, how about this? They put the dude that NAI or NAI guy. Luis Vargas. Yeah, no, that guy didn't he have like eleven home runs in the first eight games? Something ridiculous. Well, he he had a ton, but yeah. anyway, yeah. I'm gonna so. I'm gonna read you a DM that we got. Um, I'm gonna, it's gonna remain anonymous here, but it has to do with um, you know somebody that you know might be on this list should maybe be on this list, but he said it's a watch list just because the weatherman says it's gonna rain doesn't mean it'll rain. It's a watch list. He's like a watch list is an accolade but winning it is the real accolade. Uh, I could care less who they put on and who wins. All I'm doing is worried about myself. So like, it's a watch list at the end of the day, we shouldn't get too worked up about it, but um, you know, I think there's some deserving players on there. And I think there's some guys that maybe aren't deserving that are on this just because of like draft prospect wise. But at the end of the day, as long as it goes out to the best overall player, which in my opinion right now, is Jack lighter. Like, Jack Leiter on the pitching side, and then you can make a case for a few hitters out there um, right now. I mean, as long as it goes to the best overall player, uh, it's it's fine. It's fine. Agreed. Agreed. Now, anyways, let's move on from that because I mean, it'll get myself. I'll work hey, myself. One more up thing on before we get into our weekend preview. So the transfer rule came out. Um, yeah, the one-time transfer rule. That's right. Go ahead and tell yep. us about that. So. In sports, in college sports in general, usually it's like a good thing. It's like, guy wants to transfer. He gets one time get out of jail free card. I like to call it. He doesn't like where he is. He gets out of jail free. 
and he gets to go wherever he wants and play immediately. And so that used to be called the Juco rule. Like, Hey, cause I went through it. I, yeah, I played, yeah. If you go down and then back up. Yeah. So it used to be called like, Hey, go to Juco for a year and come see us in a year. Uh, I went through a very similar process. I was on the third worst division one baseball team. My freshman year uh, was a freshman all American, had a really good year. I like, I got contacted by multiple D one schools that were like, Hey, you want to come here and play? Like come sit a year, but like, we'd love to have you. And, you know, it turned out to me being like, okay, I'm gonna go play junior college for a year. I'm not going to waste a year of eligibility. And like, there's been thousands of kids just like myself that did that. Now what's happening is, and Kendall Rogers props to him for, you know, tweeting all this out and explaining it. You get a get out of jail free card. I mean, if you're the best player at Mississippi Valley state and you're hitting 400 this year and you know, Southern Miss comes calling and says, yo, I guess I don't think they can contact him, but if, if there's, no, they have to enter the portal first. Yeah, you enter the portal, and if uh, Southern Miss contacts you and says, "Hey, you want to come play for us and start and hit leadoff," I mean, he's going to say, "Yes, sir, get me out of here." So now that we've explained it, is that good or bad for college baseball? I think for college baseball, it's good because you have. I mean, you're gonna. I mean, think about how many guys fall through the drain. Like they just went to, they thought they were going to the right place, made, making the right decision. It just didn't work out, but they're really good. They just didn't work out. They had a first rough, first couple outings on the mound. Can't blame the coach. He's like, Hey man, we can't, we can't pitch you right now. Mm-hmm. Then other guys take his role. They ball out. Now he's sitting on the burner, the back burner and he's good, but he just had a rough start. He can go somewhere else and play immediately. And, have a chance to revive himself, redeem himself. But think about it in football and basketball. I think it's awesome. Baseball has a little more impact on in terms of roster build, but guys are on a limited scholarship role. So if if I'm at a school and I'm not I'm on academic only, I'm not on scholarship, but I I balled my I balled. But the team already has their scholarship breakdown already built for the next couple of years. Because when the team, the coach is recruiting, they have a board of all their freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. They have a board, right? And they can put a dot next to their name, put a line, whatever, saying he's a scholarship player, and they put their number. So they have a whole breakdown. And then you look at their recruiting class. They have that all breakdown. So year 2022, these are our scholarship players. This is our breakdown. 2023, this is our scholarship player. This is our breakdown. So if you're there and you don't fit into their plan, like you're an academic guy getting no scholarship money. The next two years, all their scholarships have already been used up. They already have offered. They already have a plan, right? Because that's how you have to do it. Yeah. It's the only way you can... With the limited going. scholarships, yeah. That's yeah, you have way. to have a plan, a two-, three-year, four-year plan of what your numbers look like. So if you're on academic, their plan is set. They don't have any money for you. You play it really well you end up starting for this team but you're like i don't want to pay any more money i don't want my parents to pay any more money about um or take student out long debt whatever loans. right yeah no more student and i'm loans. like i'm good enough to go get a scholarship somewhere else i can enter the portal a school calls me and says hey we have a full ride for you we have 50 percent. we have scholarship money available for you boom you can go and go play college baseball for free now yeah so I think that aspect is really good for the game. 
I was going to argue that I think it might be bad for the game of college baseball because not only now do coaches just have for the player. That, my angle that I just gave you, it's for the player. Good for the, the player. The day, which right. is what it's all about. Because, yeah, but you could also take that and and say like, okay, let's say you play in the Ohio Valley Conference. Let's say like Tennessee Tech, for example, and you hit 20 homers and then you say, you know what, I'm good enough to go play at Tennessee. Well, then, you know, the Tennessee Tech coaches – you have no say in where you go. You leave, you go to Tennessee Absolutely. and play. It just hurts mid-major baseball. But on the flip side, you could have a lot of SEC guys going, you know what? Like, I'm not playing here at SEC school. You know, let's say we play at uh, Alabama. Let's say a player at Alabama is like, yo, I'm not playing, blah, blah, blah. And he goes and transfers to Troy. He instantly becomes Troy's like one of best, like one of their best players and helps their team out. Possibly. So, like, I see, I see both ways, but I think it might be bad because now coaches have to not only deal with you know the draft and like their best players getting ready for the draft and kind of in limbo with that scholarship and plus it's like all right my best player might go to the draft he might enter the transfer portal like what do we do here and so i think it puts a lot of pressure on coaches to and players absolutely correct to make decisions here i think it's going to be interesting i'm glad they made the rule just for the case of like the kids who maybe didn't play aren't looking to play the next two or three years because they're behind somebody and like, okay, let me get out of here. Maybe go get in a better position for myself or my family, whatever so, it is. I think there's a very careful way to look at it because you're absolutely right. Is a player leaving because they're just mad, they're just pissed off, they're they feel they're butthurt that they they're not getting the playing time they want. But and the, one of the biggest things topic or debatable debated topic is wait your turn because freshmen are not supposed to play right that's you're not very it's not, rare it's not it's getting more and more common now that you know freshmen are getting to play whatever but it's because it's all me 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 attitude and oh i'm not playing i'm not getting the spotlight i'm leaving i'm going somewhere else now that coach is like hold it whoa 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 when you're a sophomore junior you're more developed you're in the program then you get your two years of playing time and you can go to draft or get your third year if they your senior year. Now it's like, oh shit, if I recruit these good players, but they don't play freshman year, there's a chance they're gonna leave. So yeah. now, now they let's say three guys leave. Now your freshman class becomes a class of five as sophomore. Now the age of your team, the average age of your team drops because the new freshman class comes in and you only have five sophomores and a lot of freshmen and then whatever you have left upperclassmen. So that part will hurt. That part is going to be shitty. So it's depend. It's the angle you want to look at. But I think at the end of the day, if a player wants to leave, they should be allowed to leave. They should be allowed. I mean, at the end of the day, like they're all adults. They're all over the age of 18. They should do what they want. NCAA shouldn't be able to and they're not them. under they're not under a contract. They're not yeah. under a salary paid contract. So it's kind of like you don't have control over them. Right. And now one of the ways I think this rule could be fixed is like, hey, if the school offers you a, a, a scholarship and you turn it down, maybe you don't get the one year transfer rule. Like if they offer you a like athletic, like one of the 11.7 scholarships or a portion of it over like a certain percentage, like if they offer it to you and you turn it down, like you don't no, get no, the, no. We mean turn it down. Like they already are on it at their freshman year. 
Like I'm saying, like maybe this is a one-time transfer rule for people who are not on scholarship. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if they're if they're on scholarship and they get offered, they cannot the, leave. Yeah, you can't. I mean, you you have to sit out a year because then that way you, the mid-major programs can hold their best players or at least say, listen, you can leave, but you have to sit out a year. Here's the scholarship. It's fifty percent. Um, you turn it down. Okay, like we can't help you anymore. Maybe that yeah, might be a way to I, fix. Maybe the maybe they're the way to kind of because I haven't thought about it enough, like the pros and cons of it. But maybe if you're on scholarship, you can't just bail. Right. But maybe if you're on academic, you're free to go wherever you want. Yeah. So maybe maybe, the, maybe that is something. Maybe the NCAA should ask us to consult. We'll come up with some good ideas. We've been through it. Yep. Anyways. Um, anyways, let's talk about this weekend preview that we have. Man, two of the best weekend series we've seen so far. Uh, and Vanderbilt going to Tennessee and then Miss or Ole Miss going to Mississippi State. I mean, we've seen ticket prices already for these weekends, and it is in the triple digits. Like, I, I'm so pumped to watch these games. I wish Vanderbilt would have not lost two out of three last week to Georgia just because, like, I think it would have helped the hype that much more. But between those two se- uh, series, which one are you going to be watching more? you going to be watching – Ole Miss going to Mississippi State at the Dude, or you'll be watching Vanderbilt going to Knoxville? I'm going to be watching Bandy, Tennessee, because I expect Mississippi State to take care of business. I don't think – I don't see them losing at home again. Like, they've already lost to Arkansas. I don't see them losing another big top five weekend at home again. Well, Ole Miss Miss just lost to Arkansas. I know, I know, and – this is this that matchup is basically is it basically for the third best team in the SEC? The Ole Miss and Mississippi State, that one? Or the yeah, Vandy because the winner of the Vandy Tennessee will be your second best. Arkansas will be your is your best. And then I guess this one the winner of this one, I guess, is your third best, maybe fourth. But I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna be. I'll be watching both. So I can't really say I'm gonna be watching more one, one more than the other. No, I agree. Now, the thing that excites me the most is. Let's talk about the the Mississippi State hosting Ole Miss. Now, not only like the two fan bases and the like interstate rival and all that stuff, but the thing that excites me the most is that both Ole Miss and Mississippi State. We know they're going to, they're top 10 teams in the country talent wise, but they've both showed signs of weakness, right? Like they've both had their problems, you know, with Arkansas, especially, uh, but they've also showed signs of like pure dominance. And when you get two juggernauts like that matched up together, rivalry series, it's already like the stakes are that much higher. Like it comes down, in my opinion, to like the coaches making the right decisions as far as like when to pull pitchers, when to put relievers in, when to put what relievers in. And also like, it just comes down to like game management. And what's, what excites me the most is you get Lamonis from Mississippi state and Bianca from um, Ole Miss, two of the best game managers in college baseball. And they're going to be playing like chess with each other. And so like, that is what is going to make me interested more in that series than the Vanderbilt. Um, I mean, obviously dude, I'm not, dude, I'm not dude. talking bad about Vanderbilt and Tennessee. Cause I think hello. And Corbin are listen, way better game managers no. than Bianco and Lamoni. Lamoni is man. not a top five game manager in the SEC. Yes, he is, dude. What are you talking about? No, he's about? not. Lamoni is not a, a, not a top five game manager. What makes you say that, dude? He 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 not a 
in he's not a top okay i'm taking vitello so far he's been his pinch hitting and bullpen work has been incredible this year so far Corbin is a master at that. He's always been good at it. But Corbin also has the best players and the yeah, best but, yeah, but Yeah, but even looking years past, he's always going to Omaha. He's always winning the regional, setting up his staff, all that stuff. He's always a great in-game manager, okay? Bianca, for the most part, has been pretty good. But I would take I, – I still think Paul Maneri is still a top-five game manager. You still got to remember that guy. Yeah. I mean, that's, and, that's and, true. And then, so far, K- Kingston from South Carolina has been really good with South Carolina's bullpen work and their pinch hitting and their game management. Really good. He's been hitting the button pretty good this year. So, but don't you think this is more of like a chess match between coaches? Um, more think- like more so like, – like, so what, what I was getting to was like this series has more of like a chess match feel to it like there's going to be slight moves and like strategies to set up um, like maybe this team versus or this bullpen guy versus this a pinch hitter, like that kind of thing. This, that has more of a feel for this series than Vanderbilt and Tennessee, who I was about to say, both coaches like know what they're doing. Very good game managers, blah, blah, blah. But like that one, that series feels more of just like mono e mono. Like we're going to freaking throw our best guys. You're going to throw your best guys. We're going to match up with, it doesn't matter who we're throwing our guys and we're going to try to hit your best guys. Like that one feels more of like Godzilla versus Kong. This one feels more of like, um, I can't think of a good example here, but just like two really smart, savvy coaches, you know, fighting for in-state pride, I guess. No, no, absolutely. I mean, of course, but I think it's going to come down more to the players than what the coaches do in that series. I think Bandy Tennessee could be way more technical. Yeah, like but we more, could be so wrong. We could be so wrong. We usually that. are. We usually are. But that's usually how it goes. I think the band of Tennessee is going to be more low scoring, p- precision, like steal second, ball hit ball to right field, manufacturer run. Yeah, more I think Ole Miss and Mississippi State's going to be more just offense slugging. That ball, especially in that ballpark. Yeah, that we've we've already declared the duty noble uh, effect of that is a hitter's ballpark. I mean, you and, realize it's only like three fifty to right center with a yeah. short fence, and that was another thing we pointed out on an earlier podcast. Any field with a tiny fence, like short fence, that's hitter's ballpark. <laughs> but, yeah. um, anyways, there's another series going on involving a Mississippi team, Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech play again. Now, we've seen Mississippi State – well, I don't know why just in Mississippi State. Louisiana Tech take three out of four from Southern Miss there. And if they can do that again, like, just give Louisiana Tech a regional berth. Like, just give it to them. Give them a regional host. Like, they will solidify themselves as the best team in Conference USA. Now, I think Southern Miss has something to say about it. I think those guys are some scrappy dudes over there. And um, I don't know. I'm kind of getting the sense of a – Southern Miss, like, shock the world, kind of win the series. But I can totally see Southern Miss kind of cooling Louisiana Tech off a little bit. Yeah, just saying, like, hey, guys, like, we're pretty good, too. Welcome back to Earth a little bit. But I don't know, man. The Love Shack, baby. The Love Shack field. So (sighs) that field's going to be packed this weekend. We saw it when, when they hosted Arkansas. That's it's a real home packed. field. That's a real home field advantage. Like obviously college baseball talks about like, oh yeah, we have a home field advantage here. Like South Carolina did that a lot this past weekend. I mean, 
it wasn't sold out over there. And I know they're not, I don't know if they're allowing max capacity. Sure. It was good seeing the student section get chirpy, but the love shack at Louisiana tech is a real home field advantage. Anytime you get some screaming Cajuns out there, watch out because that's a different breed of, of, of chirp. And so Ben, I want to interject here. We are not making our picks. You might, we might as well go ahead and reveal who our guest is tomorrow. Yeah. We're going to make our weekend picks tomorrow in a separate episode. Yes. In a separate episode, we're having Chris Burke on the Tennessee legend and Braves fans cover your ears because I know he ended your lives in 2005 with that 18th inning walk-off home run as a diehard Astros fan. He was one of my favorite players and he had an unbelievable career at Tennessee. And now he's still working in the game of college baseball does a lot of ESPN broadcasts. So Um, we're going to reveal our picks. So we're doing our weekend picking with him, especially for that Tennessee Vanderbilt series. And um, so we're going to do a little bit more of a preview on some of these series tomorrow. But I mean, the other two series we have picked out for our week, actually there's three. You skipped over. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give this team, these two teams to respect. Well, no, no, I'm not skipping over. I'm I'm getting to it. I'm saying there's two more series and then one bonus series that we have at the end. Oh, that's where you get through me off there. So bastard. (laughs) Where's the guy tweeting? Like Dimitri cuts Ben off too much. Um, but yeah, so obviously we're going to have one of the bigger weekends out there with Oklahoma State and TCU. I mean, I think that's two juggernauts in the Big 12. And the Big 12 is wide open right now. You have Texas. Not, Texas no, Tech. it's not. Texas Tech. No, but dude, Texas Tech's in fourth place. They're going to come back. Texas is in first. And then you got Tech, or Oklahoma State right. and TCU at two and three. Now, this is going to I, be... I, 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 dude, how about... Dude, we're we're kind of all over the place right now, which is perfect because that's how college baseball is. But that Texas Tech Texas series. When is that coming up? Let's get it. April thirtieth. Okay. Damn, dude. So, speaking of that weekend, May first, they play thirtieth, May first, and May second. I'll be on an airplane. Dimitri's going to Italy. (laughs) I'll be on an airplane May first. So that's the weekend. Ooh. If I can get Wi-Fi on the plane, uh, I'm gonna have, I might have to buy me some Wi-Fi on the plane, and I'll be uh, tweeting from somewhere <laughs> over the Atlantic and yes. watching some game. So Dimitri's going to Italy again to play pro baseball over there, and he did it last year and killed it, and so he's going back. I mean, he has got the best job in the world. He gets paid, and he lives on you know a very nice part of Italy. Went to the championship game last year, going back this year. So he leaves May first. Uh, but we're still going to do the podcast and everything. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, that is a series that I think intrigues me more than a lot of these series. Texas versus Texas, Texas Tech. Texas Tech, that is their conference. They own that shit. They're at Texas. I mean, that dish fall field, is, man. This, and this that weekend, I think Texas is going to be so amped up for him that – Dude, I think Texas Tech goes in there and humbles them. But anyway, that's way ahead of from right now. Wow. That I mean that, that is way ahead. But yeah, we're gonna we're anyway, definitely gonna so focus in to on yeah, we're gonna focus in on this Oklahoma State TCU game. Um certainly we've seen both of these teams struggle this year at some point, but we've also seen them uh play very, very, very good baseball, like top of the line, host material baseball. I don't want to say because I say this a lot. I don't know if we're going to say this is pretender versus contender because I think they're both contenders in the long run. But I mean, this is a legitimate chance where if you dominate this series, like you put yourself in position to host like very, very well. 
Well, think about TCU. They Oklahoma mm. State and TCU both lost to Texas Tech in pretty close, well fought weekend series. Yeah. The battle of this series keeps them alive. Keeps them alive. Let's them keep breathing. Now, if you lose the series, you're probably looking at a two a two seed. Like locked not, in. not even regional, just winning the Big Twelve. Oh well, yeah. Like if you lose who the who if you lose the series, you're pretty much out of the running for the Big Twelve title. Yeah, this is a must-win series if you want a chance to win the Big Twelve title. Absolutely. And so we'll we'll break down that series some more tomorrow with Chris Burke. Um, and then the last series or the last real series we picked is Stanford at Arizona State. Um, pretty wide open Pac-12 right now. Like we said, Arizona looks like they're the favorite according to a lot of baseball sites, but they're seven and five. I mean, Oregon. Oregon looks like the best team in the Pac-12, but dude, Stanford's looked really good this year. They, we, they're they're tied. Yeah, they're tied with Oregon. And then you know about the talent that they have over at Arizona State. Like that's a program that can beat anybody at any time. Uh, and they're playing at home. So I, I'm interested into seeing how good Stanford actually is since they are tied with Oregon for first place. But, I mean, Arizona State at home can never doubt those guys because we've seen them in how many consecutive regionals? Like probably 25-ish. And UCLA is an eighth place uh, i know how this makes you want to throw up eighth place behind cal and usc like yeah. wow the pac-12 is just a disaster this year and it's not like we're not just talking about like two weeks in six games that we're four series in four series in we're starting to, we're starting to you know carry a little more importance or like or reliability or like a true measurement of how where they are yeah. And so Arizona State is seven and five, and they're in third place behind Stanford, Oregon, and they're tied with Arizona, Oregon State. And then you got USC and Cal in sixth, tied for sixth, and then UCLA in eighth place at six and six. Now that's everybody's preseason number two team in the country there. And we've called them out since the very beginning that they're fake, they're posers, all this stuff. I get a little bit of the Florida feel to them. Like they're going to turn it on at some point. Who? UCLA like they're going to go into like they're projected as a three seed in a regional right now and good god almighty if they they finish if they get in the tournament as a three seed like good luck to the two seed they have to play in the first round oh yeah anyways yeah so we'll break those down more with Chris Burke um and then last but not least can we get a little drum roll last but not least our favorite series of the year forget Arkansas versus um Mississippi State Arkansas versus Ole Miss Tennessee versus Vandy. No, no, no. This is the best series of the season. And the it's, best series of the weekend. And it's our worst. It's the worst team in college baseball versus the second worst team in college baseball. Mississippi Valley State Delta Devils are play, heading heading to Alabama A and M to face the Bulldogs there. And my golly, man, this is the battle for the worst team in college baseball. And wow, the all I can battle say is of the wow. bottom ten. Battle of the bottom 10. The loser of this series can just go ahead and anchor themselves as the worst team in college baseball. I mean, I hope there's some live streaming for this because I'll pay $29.99 I'll pay twenty nine ninety nine to watch this. No, you will not. Yeah, I will. You'll pay 30 bucks to watch this series. If they have a streaming service that said $29.99 for this game, all three games. I'm paying 100 bucks to watch this series. You are capping so, so hard right I now. Need, I need one of our followers to, to Instagram live this series for me because I know they're not going to be streaming it. 
I, I just want to sit and watch these two teams. None play. of our followers go to either of these schools. Uh, they probably live close. I mean, how, where is Alabama A&M? What city is that in? I think it's in, I want to say Montgomery. No, that's, uh, Montgomery is Alabama State because they have the football no, stadium. Yeah, Alabama they have the football State st- is Birmingham. Uh, no, no, no. Listen, Alabama State has the football stadium that overlooks the highway and Montgomery. I know. I played at Alabama A and or Alabama State. Just look. Up, we have Google, man. Let's. let's I know. I, I'm getting ready to tell you. Huntsville, not yeah, Huntsville. Where is Huntsville, Alabama? <laughs> north, like Rocket City. Rocket. They call Huntsville like Rocket. It's north. It's like by Georgia, northeast. Show me. I'm looking at a map right here. Give me yeah, a Huntsville, northeast. Rocky How far City. is that from Macon, Georgia? Because I might make a trip over there. I would guess about five hours, four hours. I mean, this is the most important series of the season for me. And we're going to be hyping it up all weekend on. Uh, so it's four hours and 20 minutes for me, probably a little bit out of my my range. But what did you say four hours and 20 minutes? Yeah. And what do I say about four or five hours? Dude, I'm yeah. a human fucking GPS. <laughs> yes, you are. Just keep that pride right there. But I mean, if there's any followers or any listeners that live close to Huntsville, Alabama, and you make this series, I, I will I will definitely love to see a live stream. Like just FaceTime. Or me. to take a selfie of you at the game and I will laugh for about 10 minutes that you're there. I mean, if I could get agreement from both coaches to do an interview with me, I might make this four-hour trip. I might make a four-hour trip just to talk to each coach and do an interview with them. <laughs> I'll pick you up on the way, Dimitri. Like I want, I mean, I want this series to be as hyped up on, on our Twitter as any other series. Cause I will be following it closely. I want to see one team just run away with it. So we can just bury the other team and call them the worst team in college baseball. Dude, dude. And there's some pride in being the worst team. There's a lot of pride. Ben over. All right. Three game. Let's just say 20 run the over under 50 run scored on the weekend. Uh, give me the over. 50 run. Give me the over. That's about, that's what, 13 games? 13 runs a game? No, 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 no. 16 run. 16. No, 13. Yeah. Or 16. 16 run the game. Seven, 16 and a half, 17, somewhere in there. Yep. But, I mean, dude, you're looking at the 0-13 Mississippi Valley State Delta Devils with a negative 163 run differential versus the 2-12 and <laughs> Alabama A&M Bulldogs who have a negative 145 run differential. Okay, so over under 50. We're, we're going to make that a poll. I'm making it a poll. I think there might be 50 runs scored in the first game. If you get some walks in there. All right, all right. what do you think of the fair number? 58 runs on the weekend? Because 60 is 20 runs a game. That's, that's, that's a lot. So I'm looking at right now. I would say I would say about fifty-two and a half total run on the weekend. These guys, I mean, like Alabama and M averages about twenty, about sixteen to twenty runs a game, really, like total. That's they, what I'm have, they have two wins this year. They've beaten Alabama State and Alcorn State. So that's what I'm saying. So I think about fifty-three and a half is a good fifty-three, fifty-four. It's a good okay. number for your over/under on the weekend. Yeah. Wow, I'm looking at Mississippi Valley State's schedule, man. They just I don't want to look at it. I don't need to look just, at it. They just get killed every game. They have one game where they've scored over three runs, and they scored nine in their most recent game against Alcorn State. So maybe 50 is a little high. It is. But anyway, that's, uh, 
that's all I got for you. You got anything else for this show? No, no, no. We're good to go, man. This because is we're a- going to talk about the weekend even more, like more in depth. And we're going to talk about Chris Burke, his life and his experience playing college baseball and, and all that fun stuff here about it's like to play a rocky top and hey i can't wait i bet i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure i get him fired up about what's buzzing in knoxville this weekend oh yeah oh yeah and if you're a braves fan close your ears because we're definitely going to bring up that walk-off home run he hit well i'm a Braves fan so i'm here to moderate that conversation because i will keep people honest <laughs> That's fair. All right. Well, you guys catch us tomorrow. We have a great episode planned ahead. All right.